Welcome to the Peak Community Church Podcast, where weekly messages are available for your hearing. ...are empowered to be holy and acceptable unto God. How can we fight an adversary if we're not equipped? And the Holy Spirit is the equipment that God promised us after the forgiveness of our sins in and through Jesus Christ. Amen? I got a special announcement next week. Um, Invite friends. Listen, this is the last kind of uh, summer week. Next week, we're going to have a lot of the people back to church, back to school, back to church. Um, So next week, we actually also celebrate three years of ministry in this community. So needless to say, a lot, of, a lot of people are going to be back, and we are preparing to, to have a luncheon immediately after service. So don't make any plans to go to the diner and, and, and uh, you know, run, have to run back home. Uh, we'll, we'll have uh, our, our sister over at Forget About at Delhi uh, uh, take care of us and put out a nice spread, and, and we'll have a luncheon uh, amongst ourselves, amongst family. Amen? So that'll be next week. Um, in regards to outreaches, October 12th, set the date. Peak Skill Business Improvement District is the, having their Harvest Festival. And so uh, uh, we intend on having a tent and a presence out within the community. It's going to be right on Division Street a couple of blocks away. And what a great opportunity for us to be able to um, pray with people and, 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 and walk people through some difficult situations. Amen. Jan Peak Food Drive still taking place, and, and, and a lot of that is not only for Jan Peak, but it's also to supply and, and reimburse Freddie's Pantry. Um, and Freddie's Pantry is over at St. Peter's, and Ruth Wells does a phenomenal job keeping that thing open. But, you know, people that don't have means can actually go and, and do a, 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 a grocery, go through the line and, and, and get a, a full wrap of groceries. Um, Freddy's Pantry. And so we're, we're donating non-perishables to that. Um, and then last but not least, uh, the, did Oscar give you the slides for Bahamas? No? Okay. Um, Hurricane Dorian. This is, this is a special plea I'm going to put out to, to the people because um, but the Bahamas got hit, devastated. Devastated. They're talking about a nuclear-grade uh, 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 um, you know, just, just uh, over 50% of the properties devastated, 50% destroyed. The, 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 the island was leveled, leveled. This hurricane, they say a category five, that's up to 140 mile per hour sustained winds. This thing was way over 140. It was at 180 mile per hour, and it was a slow mover. I mean, it just sat there, and it was traveling basically at about one mile per hour. That island got hit and bombarded with 40 hours of 180 mile per hour, sustained winds, water, flooding. Uh, I'm talking about an island that's, you know, five feet above sea level being 14 feet underwater. They spoke about maybe 30, 30 lives so far, and um, what was that? 43 confirmed, however, hundreds and hundreds of people that are just not accounted for. Um, I had some slides and some video. It wasn't, you know who's the first person to touch down, to get there? Wasn't the government, wasn't institutions, Samaritan's person, Convoy of Hope. The first one, seven, seven small planes that just went over and they couldn't even land because there was no runways, parachuting, generators and water and supplies and blankets, medical supplies. Um, we are part of the same organization uh, of Convoy of Hope. That is an Assemblies of God ministry. Uh, we are in partnership with Samaritan's Purse, um, and, and I'm supposed to make an announcement this morning for the shoeboxes. The shoeboxes are in for the Christmas shoeboxes we do every year uh, with Samaritan's Purse. Um, oh, Paul, thank you, Vanna White. <laughs> he's holding it up like he's... 
<laughs> the, the, the shoe boxes. This is Samaritan's Purse, and what we do every year, we fill up these shoe boxes with supplies, and they get shipped out um, all throughout the world. And, and along with the gifts and the crayons and the stuff that we put in there and little toys and matchbox cars for the boys and dolls for the girls, each box is equipped with evangelical messages and testimony after testimony of kids going home with these boxes and, and, and families getting saved and coming into a saving knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. So that organization's again the first one that touched down. Um, we're 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 gonna we're gonna take a special offering this morning, as God puts it in your heart. Cheerful, cheerful giver. There are people that can't give or don't have the means to give. Pray, that's a form of giving. Don't underestimate the power of prayer. But if God moves your heart and says, man, you know, if I have an extra dollar in my pocket, I'd like to put it towards the Bahamas. I'd like to put it to the Caribbean. If I've got $5, you know, what your $5 is is his $100 bill. We, we're all part of this body, and we all have different means. But when we come together, come on, what we can't do alone, we can certainly do together. So, so as God puts it within your heart, um, it, it's just going to be a separate. I want you to just put Convoy of Hope, uh, Bahamas, this is Outreach, Hurricane Dorian, and, and, and just put it on the side, put it on the envelope, and, and that's just going to be something that we're going to send out, all of it, separate, and we're going to ship it out to, um, to Convoy of Hope. Amen? All right. I think we're done with announcements. So are we ready to get into the Word? Whew. How many people enjoyed service last week? Woo, come on. <laughs> and the pastor didn't even get to preach. <laughs> Let me find out. That's why you liked it. All right. By a show of hands, by a show of hands, how many of you, how many of you were declared to be the best of the best? Maybe a star athlete at school. Maybe a uh, uh, maybe the most popular um, at the job place. I'm talking about the cream of the crop. How many of y'all, you know, could say that you know you kind of almost fell into these categories? Yeah, 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 yeah. I've got I've got really good news. I've got really good news for you. God can still use you. God can still use you. But the God that I serve is a God that specializes in using ordinary, everyday people. He's a God that takes, says, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to confine the wise with the foolish things of this world. I mean, he just kind of glorifies himself in doing the impossible, the unusual. Now, you may have been the best of the best, may have classified in that area, but I can tell you that God can still use you in your area, and I only know that because he's using me. I was a, no, I wasn't a star athlete, but I was pretty popular. <laughs> this morning, I want to talk to those who believe that you were created for more, that you're capable of more, that somehow, some way, for whatever reason, when, when, when you sit introspectively and you think about your life, that, that you know something inside of you is telling you that you were born for a purpose, that you were created to do something that has eternal value, something that actually matters, something that's going to last. For the next couple of weeks, we're going to be speaking about a, a mini-series here um, that I believe will have the potential not only to change the course of your life, but especially to change the course of the lives of those people that are around you. Now, I got to give you the disclaimer. I got to give you the warning. You know, the small print at the bottom of the page. When God uses you, when God uses us, it always comes with a cost. It always comes with a cost. There's a payment. There's a sacrifice. Because we're in a, we're in a battle. 
the flesh is warring against the spirit and the spirit is warring against the flesh and sometimes the things that I want to do may actually be in contrary with the things that God is asking me to do. And that doesn't necessarily mean that the things that I want to do are actually bad. They can actually be good and have kingdom perspective and, and purposes. But if I'm not in alignment with God's will and purpose, most of that work that I do will wind up being in the flesh. Meaning that it would be laborious, it would be difficult, it would be hard, there'd be sweat on my brow in regards to do it. But the blessings of the Lord came to, rem to remove that burden from us, that we no longer have to make the bread from the sweat of our brow, but that we have the favor of the Lord and the blessing of the Lord. Amen? But it doesn't mean that you're not going to suffer pain. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have to agonize for your faith. In fact, one of my favorite passages in, in, in Luke, he, Jesus says, you, you must strive, therefore, to enter in through that narrow gate. That, that word strive is the Greek word, agonizomai. It's the same word that we get agony. Okay? Are we agonizing for our faith? Are we willing to make that sacrifice and press through those difficult situations? Because you know what? We're going to receive rejection. When you make a stand for Christ, ultimately you will receive rejection. Uh, it's going to come with its fair share of heartache. Why? Because you're going to be in contrary to a lot of the ideologies of those people that are around you, including family. Not everything that you pursue and go out to pursue is always going to be successful. So just because you're walking the Christian walk and applying your hands to that plow doesn't mean that it's always going to be successful. There's certain failures that come when you apply yourself. And within those failures come lessons. Anybody ever feel some loneliness because of your walk with Christ? People want to set you apart or you're one of those, you know, oh, wait, hold on. Wait, you're a Christian? Wait, what kind of Christian? One of those homophobic Christians? One of those, you know, uh, 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 are, are you pro-life or pro-choice? What kind of Christian are you? And because you turn around and say, you know what? Life, according to the word of God. Before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. It, the life starts at conception. Not when the baby comes out. And we have the science to prove it. And yet people want to turn around and, and, and make it popular, this late-term abortion. Not according to the word of God. If you make the right choices, you'll never have to make that choice. Doubt, discouragement. These are some of the prices that we have to pay. Be willing to stand alone, isolated, set apart. People won't understand, especially in today's day and age. So many of us, I don't know, criticized, misunderstood. It's not at all what I mean. Stop putting words in my mouth. That's not what I... God loves us all. He, he's not biased to the sin. Your sin, my sin, it's all, it's all sin. It, it looks different. It, it tantalizes different parts of the... But sin is sin. It's not what I'm saying at all. But yet they twist words around to... Mm, allow us, make us lose credibility. Mock us. But I got to tell you that when your sacrifices make a difference, I'm talking about not just a difference, not just that you bless someone's life for, for a moment. I'm talking about when your life sacrifices the consistency of the things that you do time and time again begins to bring forth a difference in the life of others that we would become catalysts of change, not just transforming people, but being able to transform communities. When that level of change, the type of change that has eternal values, the type of change that will last through time, the reward always outweighs the pain. 
And I'm here to tell you that the world will be different because of you. The world will be different because of you. Because you were willing to take a risk. Because you were willing up to stand up to values that are greater than your own understandings. Because you were willing to put your hand upon a plow. You took a step of faith. You obeyed what God placed within your heart. This world will be different because of the impact you're making. You may look like an ordinary, everyday person. But I'm telling you that that's exactly who God chooses to use. Last week we celebrated Labor Day weekend. And, and, and I couldn't help but to think about all of those who labor here in this house. Those who week after week answered the call of God to place their hands upon this plow. Leading ministries, running, connecting cables and lighting, setting up chairs and tables, greeting people as they come through the door. Each one of those positions is a position of service and it's a service unto the house of the Lord. I began to think about that, and it took me into a study of, of the book uh, of a guy named Nehemiah in the Old Testament. He's an everyday person, ordinary guy, who was heartbroken for his people. And he decided that he couldn't just sit by and do nothing about it. And if you, we open up our Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 2, we're going to pick it up at verse 11, 11 through 18. If you have your scriptures, I would encourage you to open your Bibles to it. If you got highlighters, you mark it. If you got pens, you take notes. If you don't have any of that sort of stuff, just look on the board because Oscar put it up. <laughs> Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 11 through 18. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. I'm going to be reading out of the New King James Version, which happens to be my, my, my kind of preference uh, because that's the Bible I studied when I, when I first got saved in 1995. Um, but you read along with your translation, amen? Nehemiah is speaking. So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. Then I arose in the night, and I and a few men with me I told no one what God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem, nor was there any animal with me except the one which I rode. And I went out by night through the valley gate at the serpent well and the refuse gate and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down and its gates, which were burned with fire. Then I went out to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but there was no room for the animal under me to pass. So I went up in the night by the valley and viewed the walls. Then I turned back and went up, in, uh, excuse me. Then I turned back and entered by the valley gate and so returned. And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I had done. I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or the others who did the work. Then I said to them, you see the distress that we are in? How Jerusalem lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God which had been good upon me and also of the king's words that he had spoken to me. So they said, let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to this good work. So they began the good work. If you're hungry to do more, if you're ready to make a difference, I just want you to high five somebody and say, let's do the good work. Let's do the good work. Let's do the good work. Lord, Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, for your word. I thank you for this opportunity to gather here this morning. I pray, Father God, right now more than ever, less of me and more of you. I pray, Father God, that you would fill my mouth with the words that this particular congregation needs to hear. Move through the unction of your Holy Spirit, O God, that your word will go forth and not return unto you void, O Lord, 
but that it would fulfill and complete the purposes for which you speak it. Give us a divine revelation, O oh Father God, a, a, a spiritual insight of your word, O oh Lord, that, that we would be able to apply in our lives, O oh God. Faith applied, Lord. Let us live this thing out, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Let the good work begin. This has to be one of the most motivating, captivating, inspirational stories um, of an everyday, ordinary guy that made an extraordinary difference. Now, we got to understand that Nehemiah, he wasn't a pastor. He wasn't a priest. He wasn't a prophet. He wasn't a king or a warrior. He wasn't a noble or a man of stature. He was an ordinary guy doing ordinary, everyday things. The Bible says that he was a cupbearer to the king, King Artaxerxes of Persia. Now, now, when you think of a cupbearer, you know, and kind of translated today to understand that he was kind of like a butler. He was a servant. He was Alfred to Bruce Wayne. You know, pulling out the suits, waking him up on time, making sure the food is ready. Stay in your lane, Bruce Wayne. Come on, Batman. And because he was had a, such a place and position near the king, he 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 was a place. He, he was a person of integrity. There was a trustworthy value that he had because he was privy to a lot of private conversations. And so when the king was speaking with his dignitaries and he had his council and his board members available and they were strategizing and plotting, uh, uh, Nehemiah would have had a platform within those rooms. So, so he was a person of confidence to the king. He was trusted with intimate knowledge and and in most parts as we read the text he had a relationship with the king unlike most others there was almost a friendship a, a position of trusted advice the king had a heart for nehemiah now part of being a cupbearer is also a little dangerous because how many people know that kings have enemies huh and oftentimes, back in the day, they're, 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 like, they didn't have Navy SEALs. They didn't have, like, you know, they wanted to assassinate somebody. They were talking about, you know, trying to find poison in their food. That was, like, common. So as the cupbearer, his job was actually to taste the food of the king before the king ate it, just to make sure that he would still be alive. How many people want to know what the salary and, and benefit package look like for that job? Huh? <laughs> what, kind, what kind of insurance are you offering here? <laughs> and it just so happened to be that on a regular day, doing a regular act of service, I don't know, maybe it was making coffee, stacking chairs, setting up lights or connecting cables for audio visual to be able to 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 create the environment where people can worship God and have an experience an ordinary guy hears news doing ordinary things during the course of his life in the first chapter of Nehemiah the second verse we see what engaged him in this, in this move of wanting to start this good work. Hannah and I, one of my brethren, one of the brothers, probably just a brother Jew, doesn't have to be a fraternal brother, came with men from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And so Nehemiah asks his brother, hey, listen, tell me, tell me, tell me about our people. Tell, tell me about our homeland. What does, what does that look like? You see, because 140 years earlier, under King Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonians came forward and attacked Jerusalem, destroyed the city. Solomon's temple was left in ruins. The walls that that protected the city was left in rubble. Gates were burnt down and 
There was absolutely no protection. The Jerusalem was left completely vulnerable. And everything they knew, their system of theology, their system of worship, their systems of life was completely gone. The Babylonians took everything and they took tens of thousands of Jews into captivity, into slavery, and they demoralized them as a people. What do you do when you're left with no hope? What do you do when you're left with no future? Decades later, about 50,000 Jews moved back into Jerusalem to rebuild it. But they had no, no leadership. They had no order, no structure, no guidance. And in the third verse, they said to Nehemiah upon his inquiry, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the providence are there in great distress and reproach. Reproach is a name that it's one of those disdaining kind of subhuman, sub are when we reproach somebody it's to put them as 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 less than human Psst, nothing the wall of jerusalem is also broken down and its gates are burned with fire and so they have no wall and they have no protection they're vulnerable i don't know how many people here this morning have ever felt vulnerable but when you feel like you're outside of you control when when there's nothing within your power to be able to do something it's demoralizing no leadership no direction no confidence no plan equals no hope overwhelming i mean what can we possibly do and so what do you do when you don't know what to do? When you feel a burden for something, but, but that something is so big. How do you begin a good work? Lord gave me three steps out of this passage of Scripture that I want to share with you this morning. But this will be a mini-series. We'll, we'll, we'll pick this up again next week. But, but the first part that I, we need to recognize that moved and made an impact into Nehemiah was the fact that he allowed himself to cry about it. Now, people will tell you, oh, you know, you ain't supposed to cry. Ay, bendito, nah, cry me a river. You know, like, yeah, like there's a certain amount of weakness in crying. Like there's a certain amount of disdain or reproach in crying. But, but the fact of the matter is that when he got this news, it so broke him to hear about the reproach and about the distress that, that it broke him to move. He, he cried about it. The Habiah 1.4. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. He was devastated. Was broken. Now, I got to tell you, if I was Nehemiah, if you were Nehemiah, it'd be kind of easy to shake this news off. Huh? People in Jerusalem, hundreds and hundreds of miles away, a thousands, it was a thousand miles away. What are you going to do? It's not like they had chariots, you know what I'm saying? They didn't have Range Rovers, Jeeps. Like, like, I mean, this is walking in camels thousands of miles away. How many of us here can hear news of, we're constantly hearing news. Max shootings in Texas. The, the, there's a move here, another mall that was shut out, another school. Time and time again, we, we become desensitized. We hear, oh, another one? Sucks to be them. Just what can I do about it? Nehemiah was chilling in the palace. He was eating off of the king's plate. He was bathing in the king's pools. Yeah, he was a butler and he was a servant, but he was privileged to the luxuries that it was. Oh, come on, serving the king, could you imagine? I know, I know. It's a, hello. 
I'm going to serve the king. What's it? Here, just serving the king in the palace. Hashtag. <laughs> serving the king. Hashtag humble to serve. How, 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 what? You know, I mean, think about it. I, I can almost think of our people that have to come in here day in and day out and set all of this stuff up. Gee, I wonder what it would be like to, to serve in Elevation Church. Uh, well, under Stephen Furtick, I wonder what it would be. It must be nice to be able to have all of the resources, and here we're cutting tables and stacking chairs. <laughs> there he was in the palace with the king. Would have been real easy for him to shake that off. What can we possibly do? And so many times we hear devastating news and, and, and we make a choice. Sometimes we shake it off or sometimes we're, we're moved to act. Nehemiah could have pushed this pain away. But for whatever reason at that time, he, he chose to let the pain in. He chose to be vulnerable and, and, and allow that hurt. Allow, you know, sometimes we get that lump in our throat and we want to push it back and suck it down. And we ain't going to let a tear out. <clears throat> And we just, we push it off. But then there are other times. Last week, there were people here just that embraced that and cried out and, and allowed themselves to, to feel what God was allowing them to feel. He chose to let it in. And, and there's something, family, when we choose to let it in. He didn't just think that this was a heartbreaking plight. It went from his head, and he allowed it to enter into his heart. And he felt it. He felt the pain. He felt the anguish of his people. Family, as individuals, let me ask you this question. What breaks your heart? What breaks your heart? Could it be maybe children? that are illiterate and can't read, or, or, or maybe it's a, a special needs people that, that, that you have a heart, or, 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 or maybe it's people that, you know, have been bullied, and, and maybe, maybe that thing just drives you crazy to hear of somebody because they were just a little bigger, a little stronger, uh, coming down upon somebody who was smaller and more vulnerable just because he could. Is it the neglected, the abused? How about, how about the ones that are bound by addiction? Hostage to, to, to the drugs, trapped in lustful thoughts or, or imprisoned to porn. Homelessness is, plagues us and, and there are people that are hungry and used and abused. And I'm telling you that, you know, our hearts ought to be breaking for these people. But we need to use wisdom. I often tell people, look, you know, I, I, can, I, can, I can give you a 20 and feed you tonight. Or I can teach you how to fish and feed you for a lifetime. Oftentimes we do more damage doing for others what they can do for themselves. And as a church, yes, we're very, very generous. But we're about empowering people. We're about raising people up, pulling them out of the valleys that they can then become a blessing unto others. This is about empowerment. It's about freedom and deliverance. Impoverished. There, there are people in countries without clean water. Just, just a $1,500 pump could, could, could make a difference into a village. There's preventable diseases. So, I mean, we have antibiotics and cures here in this country. There are people in third world countries that are dying over things that our children just, oh, just give them a, here, take one dose, one ounce, you'd be good. Maybe you were called to speak on behalf of the unborn, those who are unable to speak for themselves. Whatever it is, family, I want to challenge you. Seek out God. Seek out these situations. I pray, God, in the name of Jesus, that you would open up the eyes of your children, oh God, that as they go forth in life, 
that they would see opportunities, oh Lord. Let us be that change. I remember when I, when I first came to Christ, I was so broken. So, so broken. Twisted, addicted, self-righteous, full of shame and regret. I cried out to God. And he showed me. He showed himself to me in the image of Jesus Christ. And you know what he showed me? At that moment, not only the fact that I was twisted, that I was broken, but he showed me that all of his creation is twisted and it's broken and it's fallen from a state of grace. And we, we have the power, we have the position, we have the resources in Christ Jesus to call those things that are not as if though they are. Those things that are crooked and, and, and twisted to be able to speak them into straight, to speak over people who are sick, healing in the name of Jesus. And to see manifestations of his kingdom as we pray. Showed me that all and the heart and the burden that he gave me, it broke before him. Because I didn't know the, these things. I, I made choices out of ignorance because I was deceived and lured away into, into a lifestyle. I was manipulated and by, by, by conformity to the things of this world. And when he showed me that, I broke even more for the lost. The Bible says because of ignorance, my people suffer. And when, he, when, when I came and I saw and knew the truth, the truth set me free. And in my freedom, I looked back and I saw everyone else who was in captivity. That was the heart that he gave me. Now that was back in 1995. So to start a good work, sit down, cry, embrace the pain, let it in, huh? Feel the pain, embrace the burden. The second thing that he did, he knelt down to pray. Nehemiah 1.4 says, For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. I got to tell you, family, that if your problem is big enough to cry about, it's big enough to pray about. If we come to the place that all we can do now is pray, man, we're screwed. If that's, if, if that's when we get down to pray, I'm only one person. What, what can I do? What can I do? Invoke the God of heaven and earth. God plus one always equals the majority. The Bible says if God is for you, who can be against you? You think that you stand alone? Elijah stand upon that valley and he saw chariots and archers and swordsmen. He said, God, there's so many of them. And God opened up his eyes for a spiritual moment. Greater are those that are with you. More are in numbers. We don't stand alone. A, we invoke the God of heaven. We, we, we know that he is able. Nehemiah 1, 5 and 6. Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of those, of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your ear open to hear the prayer of your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants and for the people of Israel. See, Nehemiah took on a heart that his heart was not just before himself, before God, but it was about his people. He, he not only confessed his sins, but he confessed the sins of his people. He became an intercessor, an intermediary. He, he reminds God of his promises. He, he reminds God of his faithfulness. He knows God, he knows he's about to go before a king who can really strike him down. Ask him for permission to leave his service, to go a thousand miles away, to go do this foreign work and, and rebuild these walls imagine the nerve how, how can Nehemiah do this going to your boss hey I want to I, I take a month off because I want to go do this and you know can I also get paid for it 
How much confidence are you going to have walking into, walking into your boss's office? How did Nehemiah handle this? He prayed about it. See, Antiochus is a king in front of men. But before Nehemiah and before God, he was just a man. And Nehemiah, he didn't lose sight of that. He didn't become overtaken or overwhelmed by the position of the man. Position doesn't make the man. Character, integrity, what's concealed within the heart. Do you know what you pray about reflects what you believe about God? What kind of prayers do you render the Lord? Lord, bless my food. Thank you, God, for this meal. Keep me safe. Help me have a good day. Amen. Well, when you pray, do you invoke God to move on your behalf? Do you remind him of the promises that he wrote in his word for you? Do you take him to him at his word? God, move on my behalf. Stretch me according to your word. Have this situation have its perfect will. I pray right now, oh God, get your devil, get your hands off my child. I declare that one a, a, a child of the most high God. God, I speak healing upon my sister's body, Lord Father. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that all of the kidneys begin to function properly. I, I speak life. Surround my sister with a medical staff, oh God, that would not only be sensitive to her physical needs, but also to her spiritual and emotional needs. Let this have its perfect work, oh God. Glorify yourself in this situation. Where's your prayer coming from? It's got to be, it's got to be intricate. It's got to be from within your heart and soul. thing I love about Nehemiah, he was a leadership genius. He investigated the cause. When, 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 when the word says he viewed the walls, the actual translation was that he examined them like, like the building inspector would do for a building. He assessed the damage on them. He investigated the cause. He, he cast a vision. He spoke to the people that were already doing the work. Now, he didn't go in there and say, you know, who did this and why did you do that? And didn't you think about doing this? A lot of leaders would go and do that. But no, he led from a position of servanthood. He got up and said, look, look at the reality the walls are in rubble. The gates are burnt out to the ground. We're left in a reproach. Let's put our work. He, he, he gathered and organized and he came alongside of the laborers. And he led from a position of service. He investigated, he cast a vision, he strategized, he delegated to the right people. All while facing opposition. All while facing a threat of an attack. How do you do it? How do you do it? According to the word, he covered it by intense and intimate prayer. So how do you do it? Begin the good work, family. We're going to cry about it. We're going to kneel down about it and pray about it. Last but not least, we're going to act on it. CPA, cry, pray, act. That's the third point of this morning, the last point. So uh, coming into conclusion, stand up and act. Tears turned to prayers and his prayers drove him to act. He took wine to the king. He had a heavy heart and the king. See, this is what happens when, when you can strategize. I'm not saying that Nehemiah was being manipulative, but he was relational with his king. He respected his position and knew that he was going to come and ask him something completely outlandish. So he bathed it in prayer before he approached him. He trusted that God already tilled the ground of his heart. And after he prayed over what he was going to say, he came before the king. And look at the wisdom that he used. The king said to me, what is it that you want? 
Then I prayed to the God. See, he didn't even speak to the king directly. The king asked him, what is it? What is it that you want? What's wrong with you? Then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight. Let him send me to the city of Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. And so his message was, was, was clear to the king. You know, he came down. He had that downcast. You know, when somebody's always bubbly and jumpy, hey, hey, and all of a sudden when you see me and I'm like, hey, pastor, what's wrong? No, no. Nehemiah knew exactly, exactly what to do. He went before the king. He was a little melancholy. What is it? What is it? What's bothering you? What's troubling you? My people are hurting. The walls of Jerusalem are left in rubbles. The city is exposed. Somebody's got to do something. Might as well be me. Sometimes you'd think, man, you're too busy. Can't make a big difference. What kind of difference can I actually make? Someone else will wind up doing it. Someone else will come around. More qualified. Better equipped. Can't do everything. But you can do something. You might not be able to do everything. But you can do something. I want to encourage you, family, somehow, some way, get involved. If, if you want to be involved, if you have a heart, come talk to me. Share with me. What, God, what is God putting within your heart? Most of, mo a lot of ministries that are birthed out of this church comes from the heart of the people. Lynn. It's her heart, her desire that got us into Jan Peak, that got us into the homeless shelter, that got all of these things going, Walter Hoving home, the, the lost. So much that we can do if you would step out, if you would step out. Ask God, God, show me what's going to break my heart. Show me a situation. And then I'm going to encourage you, sit down and cry about it. I'm not going to tell you, oh, no, no, don't cry. No, cry, please. Please cry. Let it penetrate your heart. Because if it's not real to you, it'll never be real to anybody else. Kneel down, pray about it. Invoke the God of heaven to move on your behalf. And then be willing to stand up and act. The CPA to God's labor. Family, you don't have to be appointed by man if you're called by God. If God has placed a calling upon your life, move within that calling. Let's talk about it. Come on, hit me up. Here's my prayer for you this morning, church. May God bless you with the discomfort at easy answers and half-truths and superficial relationships so that, you, so that you may live deep within your heart. May God bless you with anger at injustice, oppression, and exploitation of people so that you may work for justice, freedom, and peace. May God bless you with tears to shed for those who suffer from pain, rejection, starvation, and war so that you may reach out your hand to comfort them and to turn their pain into joy. And may God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you can make a difference in this world so that you can do what others claim cannot be done. Hey! I pray this prayer over you this morning, church that God will begin to truly use us out of our comfort zones. Amen? Would you stand with me this morning as we close up? It all starts with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It all starts with the forgiveness of your sins. If you're still carrying weight 
shame, guilt for things that you have done or things maybe you should have done and you didn't do. If you're not comfortable and secure in regards to your eternal salvation, family, let me ask you it this way. As we leave here and depart this morning, God forbid, tragic accident takes place right outside this building and you were to die, where would you go? What's your heart telling you? Is, is there unsurety? Or do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that when you die, you're going to heaven? Not because you were good enough, but because Jesus. But because of what Jesus did upon the cross. Because of his goodness. I know I'm cleansed and set free. If you don't have that confidence, I just... Uh, right there, if, if, if people, if you would just close your eyes and bow your heads. If, if, if you don't have that confidence within your heart right now, raise your hand. Let me just see your hand. I want to pray with you very quickly. A very simple prayer. Amen. 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 Okay. Praise God. Lord, Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, this day. I thank you for the word that you gave me to share with your people. Father, I know that you have a big, big work for us. The P Community Church, the impact within the, not only this community, but the surrounding areas. God, what you're getting ready to do, Lord. I pray, God, that you give us wisdom. Raise up the laborers, Lord God, that would put their hands upon the plow. Not because of accolades and titles, but because of salvation and the advancement of your kingdom. Have your way, oh God, within this church. And so church, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. I bless you, church, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. The Peak Community Church is a young, vibrant, life-giving church in the heart of Peekskill. Come and visit us on Sunday mornings, 10 a.m. at the historic Elks Club, 1038 Brown Street. Thank you for listening.